slides it out for Ekblad. Back to Hoffman, blocked by Polak and Price. Another spectacular stop. Broussard tees it up, and a save is made by Bobrovsky. Nelson, Marcel with the open net, and he scores! Hi, and welcome to the Locked On Islanders podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Gil Martin. I'm an Islanders columnist and historian, and I wrote the book Ice Wars, which covers the complete history of the Islanders' rivalry with the Rangers from 1972 to the modern era. All right, everybody, welcome to the Tuesday edition of the Locked On Islanders podcast. So glad you could join us here today as we talk Islanders hockey. Hey, it's the best time of year. It's playoff time. Islanders up one to nothing in their series with the Pittsburgh Penguins. We will touch on a few things from game one. Look ahead to game two. Plus, we have the latest updates on Simeon Varlamov and all things New York Islanders. Today's episode is brought to you by the Crosscheck Podcast. It's a new podcast that will help you get hockey smart. The Crosscheck Podcast, hosted by Andrew Berkshire and Mary Clark, goes deeper into NHL stories than any other podcast with the help of the smartest minds on ice. Follow the Crosscheck Podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts. So, lots to talk about. We obviously have a health issue for Simeon Varlamov. We have uh, to talk a little bit about the Islanders and and one of the key matchups in this series, which is going to be and has already been the Islanders' penalty kill against the Penguins' potent power play. So we will do a little bit more of a breakdown of that. We'll talk a little more about uh, Kyle Palmieri. And, of course, we have our Islanders' birthday of the day, and a whole lot more. If there's something Islanders-related on your mind, if you have a question, a comment, a topic you'd like us to discuss, feel free to contact us via email, the email address LockedOnIslanders at gmail.com, and if you leave your name and where you're from, we are happy to mention you on the show when we talk about whatever it is that's on your mind. You could also follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnIsles, and you could follow me, Gil Martin, on Twitter at Ice Wars NYRVSNYI. We'll keep you up to date on all the latest Islanders news, notes, and happenings. And I'm also live tweeting during every Islanders game from here on out. So let's uh, let's start with the injury update. Obviously, everyone wondering about the status of Simeon Varlamov. The Islanders held an optional practice on Monday in Pittsburgh. And Varlamov was on the ice, but he was on the ice with the extra players, the guys who were black aces, did not dress for game one. Here's the quote from Barry Trotz. He's on the ice as we speak with the guys who didn't play last night. We didn't skate as a group, but we will tomorrow at morning skate. But yes, Varlamov is on the ice with all of our extra guys. When asked, Uh, about when he might be ready to go. Here's what Barry Trotz told reporters on Monday. We'll see where Varlamov is in terms of health. He's very close. I trust both our goalies. That's the great thing about having Ilya. We knew that process would be slower, just the transition from the KHL. My thought process for naming a starting goaltender is pretty simple. 
we feel comfortable with whomever we have in net. And I think that basically game one and beyond that, quite honestly, all season, uh, the play of Ilya Sorokin more or less uh, proving that that was indeed the case. So uh, good news for the Islanders is that even if Simeon Varlamov is not quite ready for game two, you get the feeling that he should be ready soon. And I'll tell you, right now, the way the situation is playing itself out, the Islanders have a good problem because Ilya Sorokin played very, very well in game one. And to me, what I would do, I'd stick with Sorokin in game two because in part, you're playing with house money. You went into this game, the first two games in Pittsburgh, saying that you needed to win at least one to get the home ice advantage and bring it back to the Nassau Coliseum, at least even. Well, you did that, and Sorokin played well. So if Varlamov is close but not quite ready, you have the luxury right now of playing Sorokin again. If Sorokin bombs, you could put Varlamov in mid-game. That is certainly doable, or if it's Corey Schneider who ends up being the backup, you could do that as well. But at the end of the day, if Sorokin plays well again, you could go back to the Coliseum up 2-0 with your number one goaltender fully rested, fully healthy, and ready to go. That would be the ideal situation. But I think because not only did the Islanders win game one, but Sorokin played so well in game one that the Islanders do have uh, the luxury of being patient. Because realistically, the worst case scenario for the New York Islanders right now is that you put Simeon Varlamov back in the goal and whatever sore muscle or, you know, whatever it is that he injured or tweaked or whatever it is, because obviously in the playoffs, NHL teams tell you as little as possible. But at the end of the day, whatever it is that's bothering him gets aggravated again or gets worse. And then you're facing a situation where Varlamov is not available for an extended period of time in the playoffs. And look, you're up one nothing right now. And that's a great start. But you're going to need Simeon Varlamov for this playoff run. If the Islanders are going places, if they're going deep into the playoffs, the odds are that at some point they're going to need a good performance by Simeon Varlamov. I would wait. I would wait until he's healthy and give him a little more time to rest because right now you're up one nothing. You've accomplished your goal of at least getting a split in game one. And Sorokin is playing well enough that you could afford to rest Varley for one more game. We'll see if that's what Barry Trotz does. It may have a lot to do with how Varlamov feels after the morning skate today. But uh, follow us on Twitter. We'll keep you up to date on all of that. 
and a whole lot more. All right, we've got a lot more to discuss on today's show. We will talk about the matchup between the Islanders' penalty kill and the Penguins' power play, plus a lot more. All that's still to come on the Locked On Islanders podcast. Islanders fans, today's episode is brought to you by your friends at rockauto.com. Chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers, but rockauto.com's prices are the same for everyone, and they are reliably low. rockauto.com always offers the lowest prices possible rather than changing prices based on what the market will bear like airlines do. rockauto.com is for everyone. It does not require membership or account logon, and it's a family business. They've been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com and shop auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They've got everything you need from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even a new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or your daily driver, you can get everything you need in a few easy clicks and they'll deliver it directly to your door. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. So, one of the key matchups that we talked about when previewing this series is the Penguins' power play against the Islanders' penalty kill. And, look, in the playoffs, it is always, special teams becomes more important than it does even during the regular season. Because the game is tighter, checking, more physical. There is less time and less space to move around with the puck. And overall, opportunities are, quality opportunities are genuinely harder to come by in the playoffs than they are in the regular season. The Penguins penalty kill, uh, the Penguins power play rather, fourth best in the NHL during the regular season, 23.7% success. The Islanders' PK ranked sixth in the NHL, 83.7% effectiveness on the kill. Game one, this is a battle that the Islanders won. The Penguins had three power play opportunities, and they failed to score on any of them. And the big one. It was two to one Pittsburgh, and basically, late in the first period, Andy Green called for interference, and the Islanders' penalty kill went out there. They were aggressive. They did not allow the Penguins to set up in the zone and really limited the number of chances that the Pittsburgh power play was able to create. And, you know, you look at the Pittsburgh power play and the different combinations that they tend to put out there, they are a deep, talented group. You have McCann, Rust, and Gunsel up front, and then on the points, two outstanding players who can quarterback the power play in Chris Letang and Sidney Crosby. You know, Two all-stars, all one future Hall of Famer, Latang, maybe, uh, depending on how long he can keep up, you know, his great play. 
And then you the the second power play unit, you got Jeff Carter, uh, Jason Zucker, and Kasperi Kapanen up front, John Marino, and Michael Matheson uh, on the defense. But that first unit especially is very deadly. And the Islanders' penalty kill really did a good job. And, you know, you have Sezikis and Clutterbuck. They are one unit. Uh, J.G. Pajot, always strong on the PK. And, and as often as you can, the Islanders want Pelic and Pulak out there on defense to try to kill some of these penalties. Here's what Brock Nelson uh, had to say about the penalty kill. He said, you're going to need some sacrifices, some blocks, some saves, and we got that. Guys kind of gutted it out there. It's not easy being out there that long, down a man. Credit to them, they got the job done. So the Islanders, they're going to have to keep that strong penalty kill going. Because at the end of the day, again, on that power play, you have a little extra time and a little extra room and a little uh, more of an opportunity to cash in. And, you know, guys like Latang and Crosby, th- these guys are deadly with that little bit of extra time. So hopefully the Islanders can continue to do what they need to do to lock down that Pittsburgh power play. And I'm going to say it this way. However many games this series goes, the Islanders have to hold the Penguins to fewer power play goals in this series than there are games. So right now, we're one game into the series. The Penguins have yet to score on the power play. If the series goes six games, you got to hope they have no more than four power play goals maximum. Because, again, it changes the momentum of the game. And one of the things that the penalty kill did in game one was it kind of change the momentum a little bit because had Pittsburgh scored when they were up two to one and had that power play opportunity, the game is probably all but over. But the penalty kill, not just the fact that they killed it off, but how strong they were in killing it off, how they didn't let the Penguins really even set up in their own zone during that particular kill, not much anyway, uh, that made a big difference. Now the flip side of it is the Islanders' power play. And we know the Islanders' power play has struggled all season. And it is something that they really do need to improve a little bit. During the regular season, the Islanders were 20th in the league out of 31 teams with an 18.8% power play conversion percentage. That is not quite good enough If you want to go on that long playoff run, special teams are vital. You need to do better than 20th. Again, 16 teams in the playoffs right now. Get me to 6th, 7th, 8th, maybe 9th, 10th at the worst. But get me a little bit above the average on the power play in the playoffs. And this Islanders team, the way they play defense, the way they kill penalties, the goaltending that they get. That would be enough if the power play was just above average. Doesn't have to be outstanding. 
but above average. And one thing we definitely need to see in Game 2 and beyond is something more from Matthew Barzal, who has, you know, wasn't much of a factor in Game 1. And you need more than one shot on goal from a star player like Matthew Barzal. Barzi is going to have to raise his game in the playoffs. And, you know, we saw Anthony Bavillier last year raise his game. He had some great scoring chances, didn't cash in on them, but had some great scoring chances in game one, picked up an assist as well. But Matthew Barzal, you, you know, the old expression in hockey, your best players have to be your best players. Matthew Barzal is one of the Islanders' best players. He has to play like it for the rest of this series if the Islanders hope to advance. All right, we've got a lot more to come on this episode. We have our Islanders' birthday of the day, and we'll look ahead to Game 2. All that and more still to come on the Locked On Islanders podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by your friends at Bet Bet BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and you could track all the action at Bet Online and also the NHL playoffs obviously underway. Maybe you could take your knowledge of the Islanders and help it to uh, turn that into some extra money. Or the NBA playoffs also now underway. You can get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC and MMA action. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device. And check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get into the game as teams go on their playoff runs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use the promo code LOCKEDON. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Time now for our Islanders' birthday of the day. Uh, a player who is actually still active in the NHL, kind of. Uh, happy 31st birthday today to former Islanders defenseman Aaron Ness. Ness was drafted by the Islanders in the second round of the 2008 NHL entry draft. He spent three productive years at the University of Minnesota before going pro and signing with Bridgeport back in 2010 2011, joined the Islanders for nine games in 2011-2012, and was with them again for 20 games the following season. After another year at Bridgeport during the lockout, he then became property of the Washington Capitals in 2015-16, spent three seasons in between Washington and Hershey, and then joined the Arizona Coyotes organization played with the Coyotes and the Tucson Roadrunners, their AHL affiliate. So he has sort of gone back and forth between the NHL and the AHL, played in one game for the Arizona Coyotes this year, spending the rest of the time uh, either on the, uh, on the taxi squad or in the AHL. So for Aaron Ness, we're going to go back and look at one of his better games with the Islanders. November 14th, 2013, Islanders and L.A. Kings at the Nassau Coliseum. Ben Scrivens in goal for the Kings. Kevin Poulin was the goalie for the New York Islanders in this one. 
and the Islanders got on the board first after a scoreless first period. The Islanders uh, got a pair in the second. First, Casey Sezikis, his first from Matt Martin and Cal Clutterbuck at 244. And then uh, two minutes and 14 seconds later, it was Aaron Ness, his first of the year, first career NHL goal. John Tavares, the only assist after 40 minutes. It was two to nothing in favor of the Islanders. But in the third period, Slava Voinov got the Kings on the board from Anze Kopitar and Justin Williams at 534. Then in the third with Colin McDonald off for an illegal check to the head, Tanner Pearson tied it with Voinov and Lyndon Vey getting the assist at 12.15. That tied it at 2, and then with a minute 27 left in regulation, Tyler Toffoli won it for the Kings, Jake Muzzin and Lyndon Vey with the assist at 18.33. Kings end up winning this one over the Islanders 3-2, but it was the first career NHL goal for Aaron Ness. He is our Islanders' birthday of the day. We wish Aaron Ness a very happy 31st birthday and many, many happy more. So uh, Aaron Ness, we'll see where he goes, whether he stays with the Coyotes next year, whether he's in the NHL, the AHL, but uh, a guy who started his career with the Islanders and uh, has gone on to a successful pro hockey career. You look at game two, we still do not know from a Penguins perspective, the status of Evgeny Malkin. He is day-to-day, and we'll see whether or not he's ready for Game 2. It was close, according to many, that he might be ready for Game 1, but he was not available, and the Islanders certainly benefited from his absence. Also, uh, from a Penguins perspective, Brian DeMoulin, uh, he was injured, took a, a shot, uh, from a teammate, shot the puck, hit him, and DeMoulin missed practice uh, on Monday. So again, we've been told that it's probably maintenance, but we have to see whether or not he will be ready to go uh, in game two. I don't think we're going to see a lot of changes. Obviously, you, you, you want to see if Malkin is ready, Evan Rodriguez and Casey DeSmith also out of the lineup for the Penguins. Whether or not either of them will be ready to go for Game 2 remains to be seen. One thing I did notice also from Game 1, Tristan Jarry, almost all the goals that he gave up, high glove side. We'll see if the Islanders try to make it more of a habit to go high glove on Tristan Jarry because at the end of the day, the Islanders found a lot of success there in game one. The other thing is, if you're the Islanders, you know, you want to play a style similar to the way they played in the third period of game one. The first two periods, the Penguins really controlled the style of play. It was more of end-to-end rushes, more wide-open hockey, especially uh, you know, the Penguins were able to get speed through the neutral zone. If I'm Barry Trotz, I concentrate on trying to take that away, slow down the pace a little bit, and not give Pittsburgh so many chances. Again, to me, the telling stat, Sidney Crosby had four shots on goal in the first period. 
scored a goal early in the second period to give him five shots in the first 23 minutes and change of the game, and then could not get another shot on goal for the rest of the game. The Islanders need to do more of that if they hope to have success in game two. So we'll see. Again, I will be live tweeting during game two, so please do stop by and uh, please feel free to uh, communicate. I'll give you my instant insight and analysis and always happy to talk to fans and answer any questions. By the way, uh, today on the Locked On Today podcast, how worried should Lakers fans be about their road back to the finals? Get more of the sports news you need in less time with the Locked On Today podcast. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts. That's going to do it for us uh, on today's episode of the Locked On Islanders podcast. We'll be back tomorrow. Now, every new show, Monday through Friday, drops a little after midnight, around 12.25 a.m. So if you're a night owl and you want to listen before bed, all good. If you are an early riser, it'll be waiting in your inbox if you subscribe on your pod uh, podcatcher of choice. So uh, please do subscribe and uh, listen because we will have full in-depth analysis of every Islanders playoff game from here on in. So make sure you join us for that. Have a great day, everybody. Stay safe. And of course, let's go Islanders.